You're listening to Bellwether's podcast with Matthews Joseph. Hey guys, thank everybody who's listening. Thank you so much for tuning into the Bellwether's podcast. And uh, this is Matthews, and today we have um, Steve John with us. You know, and that's uh, if you actually talk, I asked him about Steve John. He is a dynamic young preacher, and he is like one of the craziest missionaries that you would actually see in the city of Dallas. And the th- level of things that this man has achieved is is really intimidating, and you would really want you would like ah, this guy is like the impossible deal. So yeah, I'm just gonna go, not gonna go over anymore, but I'm just gonna welcome you, Steve. Thank you so much for doing this, and welcome to Belvedere's podcast. Thank you, Matthew, so much, uh, so much for inviting me to be here. Uh, I've been a big fan, longtime listener, first time again. So it's awesome. Awesome. Yeah. I mean, it's great to have one of my, one of our own listeners to be on the podcast as a guest too. And, you know, I'm actually honored that you are here and I'm really humble that, you know, you could take this time and, you know, we could, we could talk, we could have this conversation. So real quick, you know, why don't you share about yourself, uh, about, you know, I mean, I, I gave a, a glimpse of it, but, you know, I, I mean, I want to hear, I want to see them hear from your, your words and your voice. So yeah, over to you. Sure. Thank you so much for having me once again. Uh, I'm born and raised in Dallas, Texas. Um, I have been married to my wife for about eight years. We have a son. His name is Ethan. He's two years old. Uh, but growing up, I just had an, just an incredible uh, testimony of God saving me from near-death experiences time and time and time again. And, and we can get into that later as the conversation goes. Uh, but through that, I just really felt God sparing my life for a reason and for a purpose. And so I really knew that, you know what, I'm not going to live my life haphazardly, but I really want to live it intentionally. So I had this kind of, I've always had this kind of drive to be radical about my faith with with God and believe in God for the impossible things. You know, we read in the Bible about all these things that God has done, and that's the same God that we serve. So my, my quest has always been, why can't God do something amazing now? Uh, so I've been serving on staff uh, for about close to 14 years at a local church uh, right outside of Dallas. Um, and then in 2018, I really felt God calling me to step outside of just serving at that church and really resource the Capital C Church. Um, while I was on staff there, you know, uh, we grew the church, grew our youth ministry as well. And, you know, conversations kind of spread about, hey, what are you doing to grow this, that, and the other? And just God really convicted me saying, hey, I've given you these ideas, concepts, and innovative ways to, to grow. Um, why don't you start teaching the Capital C Church, equip others so that overall my ex- uh, kingdom can expand and grow? So in 2019, I started an online uh, youth pastors conference, um, and it was just me, a word from God on my credit card, and uh, by God's grace, we had 1,100 attendees from seven different countries. Uh, then the very next year, uh, we it grew to 6,400 attendees uh, from 54 different countries, and then March of 2021, uh, we have right under 9,000 attendees uh, from 71 different countries, and just God blow, blew us away uh, by giving his favor and, you know, Hillsong College in Sydney, they led worship and we had the youth pastor from Hillsong, Elevation, Live Church, Vu Church and others uh, speak at this conference. And I was just thinking about like God, a few years ago, I was doing this conference in my spare bedroom, but Lord, look at how 
vast and how wide you've brought this. And so, yeah, I just have this audacious faith just to see all the impossibilities that God has in store for us. And that is crazy. That is amazing. You know, and I've had, you know, and, you know, you, I think you also preach the majority of the churches in Dallas too. And uh, even at uh, TD Jakes' church, right? I think, uh, I think that, that was you. I think, I, I think yeah. I've seen you. Right. So, and you know, you had this passion uh, 14 years of being youth pastor, speaking in those multiple different places, multiple different locations in and around DFW and in the U.S. And how do you feel like those 14 years added to your lead, to your leadership experience? And how do you think that, do you think that that formed your leader, the leader in you? And how do you think, how do you relate to that? You know, working at a church, number one, it's hard work. Um, it's not an easy thing. I know there's a big misconception of, oh, you work for a church. All you do is just read your Bible and pray all day. Right. And so it's <laughs> nothing like that. You, you have to talk to a wide variety of people, right? You have to counsel people. You have to walk with people, whether it's through grief or through different season of life. And so it really taught me more than anything that everybody's story is unique. You can't, it's not a cookie cutter type of leadership or type of ministry that, hey, because it worked for one person, I'm going to uh, do the same thing for every, anybody and everybody. But more than anything, it taught me to be intentional about being present, being, you know, fully engaged in the conversation, letting me hear what you have to say. Because I feel like more than anything, people just want to be heard. They're going through life a lot of times with a lot of, issues and a lot of, um, you know, just overwhelming hardships. They've been through a lot of things. And, and so they just need a person that would listen to them, not only listen to them, but give them some spiritually sound advice to guide them and, uh, and, and really be a resource for that. So like you said, you know, over those 14 years of, of being on staff, I've made a lot of mistakes. I've, I've done a lot of stupid stuff. But through that, I, I appreciate my pastor who had a lot of grace for me and a God who had a lot of uh, patience with me as well. But, but through that, more than anything, I feel like, you know, what I'm seeing today as a byproduct of being on staff for 14 years is showing other church leaders, you know, it's not an overnight success. A lot of, unfortunately, a lot of, you know, church leaders, they go into a, a church for a couple of years, dip out then hop to another church. But I think there's something special about longevity. It's very rare that you hear people staying on leadership staff out of church for longer than 10 years nowadays, you know? And so one of the quotes that I, I really love uh, hearing is, you know, a lost hiker never found its way home by following the shooting star. They need someone constant and someone present that's always going to be there and always going to be a voice in their life. Man, I think that's amazing, and you know the the, the lost hiker example, like the, the the code that he said. You know that, that that pretty much relates a lot of stuff too, because uh, we need we need that constant leadership in our life, that constant mentorship in our life. And I think if we lose that, you know, if you like, if you change mentors every two or three years, you know, you it it, it takes time for you to get adjusted to the next person, and you know, it, for that no, getting to know period where they know about you, and you know, they won't be able to serve you or mentor you or lead you the right way because of the time that they take to know you because they don't know what your interests are. And when you keep jumping the boat, like every now and then it's going to cause a lot of issues within you. And, you know, and the factor of trust 
lowers down and you know and uh, it become it becomes more like a person oriented rather than they don't look at the uh, look at the trust that you can bring to the table and i think today especially in a leadership perspective i think trust is very is one of the most important virtues that we follow and you know and if you don't if you don't have a trust in your team then you know you you don't have trust in anything else because that's that's the backbone that's like the spinal cord of everything that you do and and you know like you said you know that leadership element that you know even the 14 years you know stay people people move around after every 10 years which causes a lot of issues and everything within the teams within the community within within the within the locality they are and i think that longevity is actually a word that we don't use at all and you know that that and i think that's like that's like one of the old, it's like it's become an old 90s word right now because uh everybody wants to every, everybody wants to keep moving keep finding new opportunities jumping around which is great but the problem is that you also you also understand that there are a lot of things at stake there and there are a lot of things that you're losing absolutely i i think it's also we have to think about leadership as if like it's a tree you're planting something and for in order for people around you to grab a hold of your leadership styles or your skills or some culture things that you really want to implement within your company or your church whatever context that you're in it's going to take some time for those roots to set in and it's going to be hard if you keep transplanting you know your leadership styles to one church to another right agree totally agree i mean that's that actually you know makes a lot of sense when you're saying too now i want i want to direct my next question like uh you know you you did mention about being in staff for 14 years and then you moving to start a marketing firm as well in the, in, in the meanwhile and how was that transition from a church leadership perspective from a church leadership culture you you're like walking into something that you never tried you know you've been you know it's kind of, i mean i, I don't want to say the church is like a safe haven or like a comfort zone but so you know you, you you know your things you know it's not like you know you're not going into uncharted waters and how was the feel from being in church leader for 14 years and then moving into uncharted water something like it's totally different that you you had never done and it is something like marketing into the corporate culture and the corporate leadership how was that change and how do you think that affected you yeah great question you know i after being there for 14 years uh kind of give you a quick back story of how that transition happened uh my wife and i we had uh just built a brand new house and we had signed the 30 year mortgage uh for the house and um about a month right after closing on our new house i really felt god telling me you know do you enjoy your comfort and stability of a steady paycheck at the church or would you rather see all that i have in store for you by leaving the comfort to pursue your calling and i was like okay god what does that look like what does that mean and i just feel like sometimes god will not give us a full one you know the full 10 step program he just like are you willing to take the first step and then i'll show you everything else and so i was like okay god you know before i take the step and and leave my job we just signed for a house uh let me talk to my wife surely my wife will have more sense than i do and and stop you know <laughs> me, me leaving my my job and so i told uh, my wife her name is blessy and i was like blessy you know i really feel god is calling me to step out in faith and i really don't know what the next step looks like and she said okay if you feel like god's calling you then let's go and i was like okay like i i thought you would be someone to talk some reason into me but except you're putting some more fuel into my fire of faith and so like okay cool what is what does it look like so that was the first like step of faith that's like okay 
my wife agrees. So the next thing is like, okay, I want my pastor to be one person that really blesses this transition because I've seen a lot of people that left uh, out of the wrong motives, uh, left with a lot of hurts. And so I wanted that transition to be flawless. So I talked to my pastor. I said, listen, this is what I'm feeling God calling me to do. I want you to pray about it. And if you feel that God's leading you to that, let's let's move forward. So he prayed about it. A couple of days later, he called me, said, Steve, this is on Saturday. He said, Steve, I need to meet with you. And uh, so this is on my off day. So I decided to meet with him. And he said, the Holy Spirit convicted me in my prayer walk this morning. And he said, I need to release you so that way you can uh, fulfill all that God has for your lives. And when I release you, we'll be able to see all that God has for our lives and our ministry as well. And so I was like, all right, here we go. And so he said, you know, stick with me for six more months. Let's train up somebody to take your place and then you'll be on your way to go. So uh, when I when I gave that conversation to my pastor about me leaving my church or leaving the staff position, uh, two months later, we got pregnant uh, with our first baby. Now, there's a miracle story in that because we've been trying for four years to get pregnant and we had even done uh, fertility treatment and it was not successful. And so I really felt like it was another confirmation of God saying, you see the blessings that are being released upon your life when you trust me in faith. And so, you know, when I finally stepped out of uh, being on staff at that church, I was really in a unique position because here I am. I used to serve at this church as a pastor for 14 years, and now I don't have an official pastoral role at any other church, but here I am in a unique position because now I'm able to have some true conversations from people that I don't have to say that I'm a pastor. and They're able to tell me, you know, what they really think of the church. And a lot of times, can I be honest with you, Matthews, they don't have a good perception of the church right? There's a lot of hypocrites. There's a lot of this. There's a lot of that in the church. And so here I am having a unique focus and perspective of visiting other churches for the first time because I was in my bubble for 14 years and now I'm stepping out. So I'm seeing a lot of gaps. I'm seeing a lot of holes, seeing a lot of things from a first-time perspective. Hey, we really need to focus on these things as a church. So it really drove me to start this marketing agency and really focus on helping churches really advance the gospel by um, number one is stepping up their level of excellence in pre- in their presentation. What does a first time guest experience look like from the time that their tires hit the parking lot to the time that they leave your service? Everything needs to be kind of well-planned out, well-executed. That's the reason why Chick-fil-A, even though they're closed on Sundays, they're still able to have so much revenue. Why? Because the experience of Chick-fil-A is consistent. You know what you're getting. And they've thought every single uh, step out so well. So I feel like as churches, the harvest is plenty, but the labors are few. Putting in that work of thinking about, okay, what does the guest experience look like? And how do we follow up with them after they leave our church? I think all of that has to be very intentional for especially today's day and age, when you have churches on every corner, what separates you from everybody else? What's that mission that God has given you for the kingdom? Man, I think that's amazing. You know, why he was saying this, you know, I was just reminded about the story in the Bible where, you know, Peter, Peter, uh, Peter, James, John, uh, uh, and Andrew, they are fishing. 
and then Jesus comes back and Jesus says, you know, in the book of Matthew, you know, this is, this is a very beautiful concept. And I see this, you know, they say, God, Jesus just says, you know, leave your nets and follow, follow me. That's what Jesus said. Just follow me. And, you know, it's just like, it's not easy for, I mean, when, when we look from a biblical perspective, you know, it's just like, you know, I mean, it, it doesn't explain much, you know, just like leave it there and then you just get out of the board and you follow Jesus. But, you know, as easy as it may sound, but they had to trust the voice and the affirmation of a person like that, you know, who, who they did not even know was the son of God at that point, you know, who did not even know, who, who they did not even know the true identity of, but they just knew him, knew him by his miracles and by, the, by his wonders, by his giftings. They had to take a lot of faith to step out of the boat into the land. And I think that is actually one of the main issues we as Christians face today. Because once we have a particular set of, uh, we have a good job, we have a good house, a good family, and you know we have a we we have a good church, we serve at the church, and then all of a sudden God breaks in and says, you know, hey, it's time to step out of the boat, and then we'll be like, uh, no, that's not God. I don't, did, did I hear God? Did God actually say that? You know, and which is actually one of the hardest things because which, which is very, very, which is, which is one of the hardest things because you're leaving your comfort zone into an uncharted water. And just like you did, you know, that taking the step out is not easy. And that step out is not easy. But as your pastor said, you know, I'm, I'm really honored like what, what he said because he says that, you know, I need to release you. And that part is what is the best about it because you, you need to release yourself from, you know, from your comfort zones, from your, from whatever areas of life you're in, to know your true potential, to know your true identity, to know your true passion and mission. And unless you don't do that, you know, you just stay back in the boat or you stay back in your surroundings where everything comes easy for you, where you don't have, you know, you, you can just work for you. You have a work from home job, you have everything, you know, you know, what, what the, 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 the factor of taking a risk, is actually negligible over there. And I think I think definitely in a Christian perspective, I would definitely say faith is felt as risk because faith is risk because if you if you 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 have you're putting your faith, you know, in a guy who you have not seen, only experienced, only known, or only read from the Bible. And then you are like, you know, you 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 put a risk in him. You know, that's something that you have no idea. You know, you, you, you can't take a calculated risk on this thing. You know, you cannot do any of the tricks that you do in business, but you just have to be straightforward and say, God, I trust you. And I think that is a big thing, you know, for a perspective from every perspective when we look at it. And when I look at it from your, your life too, you know, that risk when you had to take, when you have 30-year mortgage house and you have no idea how you're going to fill that up, that you have a kid and all these things come in. You know, and, you know, it's crazy, but while we honor God's word, God honors us, you know, and then it's one word from God, God says, step out, you know, that's, you know, you just need to honor that word. And oftentimes we fail to do that. We fail to honor the word, what God says, and we don't feel like this is not God. This is just my thinking. This is just my brain speaking to me. This is my mind messing with me. But, you know, and I think that is the biggest failure in a, in a Christian's life or in any person's life, you know, when, you know, that, that, and that determines your leadership too. Because you're taking a step to, to lead yourself out from your comfort zone into something that you have not seen. Yeah, I think a lot of, you know, and I'm a pastor at heart, so I have a lot of these cheesy sayings. But I really believe, like, where God guides, he will provide. So many times right. we feel like, okay, God, if you're leading me into this, how am I going to do this? What am I going to do? Blah, blah, blah. We have all these questions. And I feel like God is just saying, if you would just be still and know that I'm God, I've been God for a long time. I know what I'm doing, right? It's just 
focus and trust me. And, and another thing that I, I really like another cheesy saying, I know this is super corny, but you know, if it's God's will, it's his bill. So I, here I am, I'll just like, you know, I just signed this mortgage. I, I'm having a baby on the way. This is the most inconvenient time to leave a steady paycheck or my, you know, say like some consistency in my life is leaving all of that to pursue a word from God that I thought, you know, I was like, okay, God, either it's you speaking or I just had some crazy, some pizza or something out of pizza dream. And, and, and you're just speaking me through like some indigestion or something. And so I was like, okay, God, here I am. If I step out in faith, I really need you to provide because I have, no safety net. I have no security other than you. And I think a lot of times God needs us to be in that position. So nothing else can take the glory except him. Matthews, I can tell you, I, I, I have no other explanation of how every single bill has been paid on time in full since 2020, even the pandemic, we paid so much debt off at an accelerated pace. The, the reason why I'm telling you this is there is, I, I have, like, if you ask me, like, how, or look at my bank account, there's no other explanation except God. The, the reason why I'm able to do what I'm doing is only because of God. Oh, amen. I mean, definitely. I think that, that that's definitely all of our testimonies when it comes to God. Because, you know, you, you, even though he gives all these gifts, you know, we definitely knew that. It's not our, it's not by our talent or our might. You know, it's always by God's strength. You know, it's by God. It's it's by God's hand. And we just need to believe that. We just need to honor that. You know, and the moment when you think that it's because of you, things change, and that becomes selfishness, and that takes a different toll on ourselves. So the the whole context of what God wants you to do is just trust Him. You know, and you know, it's just it's just honor Him. You know, that's that's what the most important thing is in life is. And I I can see that you have done you know you've done it in, in 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 a really great manner when you honor the word. And, you know, and I definitely know that everybody who's hearing this, you know, definitely has a story to tell about how God intervened, you know, when they, when God asked them to step out or whether, whether they're in the season of stepping out or, or, or sometime, I'm very sure everybody who's hearing this, definitely God will ask you to step out at one point of time. And that's for sure. Yeah, that's, I can definitely assure you that. And at that time, when you take that step out is what is going to matter, whether you take it or not, whether you, whether you listen to it or not. And I think that, you know, that changes your whole lifestyle. And I think that changes your whole trajectory of where your life is going. And I, th I think, Matthew, as you're talking, it's just like a lot of times things may be going really good, but don't let good be the robber of God's best. You know, I feel a lot of times, yeah, things are going good. Why should I leave? Why should I do this? Why should I do that? Things are going well. I mean, just, just go back to the story they were talking about. The fishermen were living their life. They have perfect, you know, livelihoods. They, there was nothing wrong. And then all of a sudden here we see that Jesus disrupts their entire uh, life plan. They're like, hey, leave your nets and follow me. And so I feel like a lot of times we feel like, okay, you know, I'll follow God when everything turns into shambles. Why wait when everything is disruptive? And just why don't we just say, okay, God, is am I am I living in good or am I living in what God has in store, God's best? And so I feel like a lot of time, don't be complacent and don't satisfy for good to rob you from God's best. Amen to that. Amen. I think uh, one of the one of, I've, I've read this lead, uh, this business book. It's called Jim Collins. I'm pretty sure you have uh, you've heard of him and you've read his books. It's called Good to Great. And the first statement had, he says that the enemy of great is good. 
you know, what you have is good, but what God is calling you to is for great. And the enemy of good is great. So, uh, I mean, sorry, the enemy of great is good. So you are so complacent in the good that you miss out on the great. And that is something that you you, you don't want to afford to miss out. And maybe that step of risk is what matters for that greatness. But, you know, it's it's just like God takes you from glory to glory. And that's what the Bible says. And, you know, and God takes us from one step to another. It's not just the monetary stuff. We're talking about physical, in all aspects of how God brings you from one particular stage of life. He takes you to, to to the next one. And, you know, and don't miss, and that's exactly what I was saying. No, don't miss out on being uh, on the grade by being stuck in the good. And I want to jump into our next question. And uh, this is going to be something about habits. And as as a leader, you know, as you all 14 years, you have been a youth pastor, you've been a leader. And after that, three to four years, you have been working uh, with a marketing agency, with uh, doing youth pastor conferences. How do you feel uh, that these leadership habits uh, some of the leadership habits that you do on a daily basis and how do you think these uh, routines actually form you and into being a better leader? Uh, okay, here's another cheesy quote that's coming up. Uh, minor minor <laughs> tweaks takes us to greater peaks. Minor tweaks takes us to greater peaks. Greater peak. And so there's things that you can do as you go throughout your day that are habits, that are small habits, but over time, uh, and it's found in the book Atomic uh, Atomic Habits. Atomic Habits, James Clear. There you go. Yeah. And, and, and you know, the small things, small habits that over time, that with the compound compounding effect, you're making leaps and bounds of change over your over time. And so, I think as leaders, we need to not be stuck in a rut, but we need to always try to figure out, okay. How can I be 1% better than I was yesterday? And whatever aspect that may be. And so, like, I'm just going to be very vulnerable with you. In, in my leadership, a lot of times I can, if I'm not careful, I can put a lot of things on autopilot without being intentional, just going through the motions. Okay, this has been working for a while, so I can just continue cruising. Okay, although I'm cruising, is there a one-degree difference that can take it to the next level? You know, Um at 212 degrees, we all know this, right? The, the, the water boils, but at 211 degrees, it's just hot water. So that one degree difference can start boiling water and it produces steam. And then what happens? Steam can push a locomotive, right? So that one degree difference can really project you into the future when it comes to uh, leadership. And so I feel like a lot of times as leaders, we need to take a, a, a tough look inside our, our lives and think, okay, am I coasting or am I really make or can I make some tweaks that can really elevate my game, even just by 1% to take me to the next level? And I think that's actually amazing what you just said because, uh, because the, 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 like in, in the book Atomic Habits, it says, you know, every habit, something that is done on a daily level, that's a, that's a habit. If you do it seven days and you just walk it off, you know, won't work. It's supposed to happen on a daily, a daily basis. And like you said, you know, at 211 degree Fahrenheit, water is just hot water. And that one degree is what makes a difference. And uh, I think it was uh, John Maxwell who said, this, if you actually improve one percent of yourself every day, by the end of the year, you'll be having, so you, you'll be 365% better than the previous year. And if you take that into context and to the aspect, I feel like, those habits shape leaders. 
And, you know, and as far as you, what you were saying is like, you know, everything on a small, uh, my, minor, minor tweaks make major peaks. So and I think uh, as, as habits, and what, what, are, what are the habits that you think that a leader should have on a daily basis? I think the number one habit is always be a student. Never feel like you've arrived and you, you know everything. I think that hunger needs to be there at all times to say, okay, um, what am I doing or what can I do better? Or what are some things that are working, whether it's in the corporate world or, or some things at other churches that are doing it more effectively? What can I do to learn on how to become more effective or just, you know, increase my productivity or whatever the case may be? So I feel like a lot of times people go through life consuming and there's nothing wrong with watching Netflix. There's nothing wrong with watching, you know, your, your favorite shows if you want to. Um, but I feel like if you're not intentional about learning and growing, you'll always find yourself frustrated hitting this level or hitting the ceiling and you're not wondering why. Well, look at where you're spending your time. And so what I do in, in, as a habit of mine is if I find myself in, in a drive, whether it's 30 minutes or an hour, so what um, the, the, the church that we go to uh, is an hour away. And so on Sunday mornings, you'll hear me like listening to podcasts on being intentional about um, increasing my leadership capacity in some kind of some way. I'm never letting myself just listen to music and find myself in a daze, you know, just not thinking about anything. I'm always being intentional about learning, about listening and what's working, what's not working, and just having my finger to the pulse. Because Matthew, here's what I believe. I believe the church has played defense for far too long. We've tried to respond to what's happening in culture without figuring out where is culture going and how do we adapt to culture so that way we're not playing catch up. In 2019, when I I started this online conference, Matthews, I can't tell you how many companies that I talked to about sponsorship, they're like, you're ridiculous. Like this online conference, Online conferences don't work. Why would people want to go online when they can go in person to be at this place? Like they did not understand the concept of what that what happened until 2020 hit. Everybody was forced to be in their homes. And then they're like, (laughs) why don't we do online conferences? And so it's just like, okay, like why? Because in the business world, you know this in the business world, online events have been the norm. It's it's been even before the pandemic, that's that's what it's been. And so I feel like the church, a lot of times, because we don't have our ear to the pulse of what's happening in culture, a lot of times we're trying to play catch up and trying to play defense rather than just playing offense and saying, hey, this is where the culture is going. But here is how the church can respond to where culture is going and how to be that light. So I feel like one important habit more than anything is listening to things outside of your bubble it's so easy to stay in a christian bubble if you're a pastor and never listen to anything else outside i would encourage you listen to listen to the opposite end of the spectrum and help shape your view help shape your leadership and how to communicate that to others man i think that's amazing you know being a student you know learning every day and i think that's definitely one of the habits that we should definitely put a check and on a daily basis 
And everything that you said, you know, is actually amazing and what you contributed. And I want to thank you for your time over here. And uh, I know we have short time, but I really wish, you know, we, we, we should do a two-part session next time because there is a lot of stuff. And I, I don't want, I don't think people want to hear us talking blah, blah, blah. <laughs> but we'll definitely do a part two for this because I'm excited about how talking with you about the way that you're dealing with stuff, you know, definitely on a, on a more business basis. But I really want to thank you for your time, for your, for, for, for the effort that you're taking to do what you're doing and, you know, to, for being here as well. Thank you so much, Matthews. It was a great honor and a pleasure for me to be here. Thank you so much, Steve. And once again, to all of our listeners, that was Steve John. And um, make, sure, make, make sure you follow him on Instagram, Facebook, or all social media platforms. He's one guy you don't want to miss out. And thank you so much for listening and stay tuned till we, for the next episode. Thank you for listening to Bellwether's podcast. If you loved this episode, do not forget to share and subscribe. Also, we would really appreciate if you could leave a review. Thanks again for listening and stay tuned for our next episode.